one, Electives of Life, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, June 17, 1973. The text is Joshua, the 24th chapter, the 15th verse, Choose this day whom you will serve. Hear the word of God this morning as it is spoken through one of the most inspired generals of any of the great armies of the world, Joshua, the 24th chapter beginning at the 14th verse. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if you be unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Life is full of choices. As a matter of fact, there are more electives in life, far more than requirements. No matter how many burdens any one of us might feel he has imposed upon him this particular day, the fact still remains that for any one of us there are but three requirements in all of life. Only three. The first is that we be born. It is a requirement that if you are going to live in life, you must first experience birth. You see, whether or not we are going to be born is not an alternative that we have. No one consulted any one of us before we were individually born. Prior to the time of our conception, no one consulted with us individually to ask whether or not we wanted to be placed upon this earth. Now to be able to live, it's required that one be born. The second requirement is that we die. That's right. If you are going to live, it means you are going to die. No one can escape death. It is a requirement of life. Even the individual who chooses to destroy his own body or take his own life cannot escape death. There is no escape from death. And if you're going to live, first you have to be born. And secondly, you are required to die. And the third and only other thing that is required of us in life is that we be present at the day of judgment. We have no choice 
On that particular day when God calls all of his creation, the human race before him, we have to be present. There will be no excuses on that day. We'll appear before our Creator and our Father who, because he loves us, must judge us. And the book of life will be opened and the things that we have done here in life, our records, will be made bare. It's a requirement of anybody who's going to live that first, he must be born, secondly, he must die, and third, he must be present at the day of judgment. But those are really the only three requirements imposed upon any of us in life. Beyond that, everything we do really belongs in the realm of the elective. God did not create us as puppets, puppets that he could control with the pulling of a string or the tugging at a rope, but he created us as people, human beings, sons and daughters of the king. People who have the ability not only to think, but to make decisions. People who have the freedom to choose. You have it, and I have it. And any person who lives on this earth has the ability to choose what he is going to do with his own life. Nobody, not even God nor any man, can force you to do with your life what you do not want to do. People try all the time, and the results are always disastrous. Jesus understood this. That's why he tells us that there are two gates. One is the narrow gate. And you can choose to enter by that gate, but if you do, the way is long and hard. But it is the way that leads to life. But there are few people who find it. But there's a second gate, he tells us, too. And this gate is wide. And the way that follows it is easy. And the people who follow it are many, and it leads to destruction. And when Jesus tells us about the two gates, he is telling us that we have an option in life. We can choose. And neither God nor any man can force us or thrust us into either one of the gates. We go through whichever gate we choose individually to go through. If you want to choose to live a life that is selfish, self-centered, that is easy, go ahead, it's your right. God has given each one of us the privilege to choose which gate we shall go through. If you want to destroy yourself and probably destroy many wonderful, loving people and things with you, go ahead. It's your choice. God loves each one of us so much that he has allowed us to decide and elect for ourselves, what individually we're going to do with our own lives. 
But when we get to the end and we find destruction, we find we're destroying ourselves and everything wonderful about us, let's not blame God or other people as some of our psychologists and sociologists would like to do. Let's remember who decided which gate we would go through. That's a choice. You have it. I have it. All of God's children. All of us have that opportunity to elect and choose how or what we are going to do with our own lives and how we are going to live. Secondly, God has allowed us to choose how we are going to treat other people. There's absolutely no law of God or of man that demands you love your fellow man. No man has ever yet legally been arrested for refusing to love his neighbor or refusing to do unto others as he would have them to do unto him. God tells us that the greatest commandment he tells us this through Jesus Christ, is that we should love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, we should love our neighbors as ourselves and do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. And, and this is what he wants us to do, but even God cannot demand and command us to love other people. Nobody has that power. Because what we do with others, how we treat them, is not required in life. It's an elective. If you want to be an individual who sits back and lets the rest of the world go by and really does not want to become too concerned about other people and about their problems and their hurts, go ahead. It's your choice. I notice there are many people doing that in the world today. If you are an individual who decides that you are going to be one who only gets upset and disturbed and irritated and annoyed with other people, go ahead. That's your right. You can choose to treat other people that way. But if you're going to be an individual who only wants to use people as things and treat them like rubbish, look at them as objects for personal release or retaliation. That's all right. You can do that. That's your choice. But if you choose to love people, then you better be prepared, be prepared to get hurt. If you choose to do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, then don't be upset when you get upset because of what is happening to other people throughout the world. If you are an individual who decides that the way to life is to care and to love, You'll find life, but it will be hard. 
Did you ever ask yourself the question, why is it that I love some people and can't stand other people? Why is it? Is it simply because of the feelings and the emotions or the genes or the chromosomes that we have within our bodies and our systems and in our spirits? Or is it for another reason? Sometimes we say the reason that we cannot love someone else is because we do not like that person and we cannot love someone whom we do not like. That sounds pretty good. Other people say that they don't like somebody because of something that that individual has done, is doing, or is trying to attempt to do. Sometimes we say we don't like that person simply because we don't know that person. Or simply because we have not taken the time to try to understand that person as a human being. But you know, sometimes I really believe the reason that we do not love some people is because we have already, because of something that has been said or done, or we thought has been said or done, we have already decided we are not going to love that person. And once you make up your mind that you're not going to love somebody, God nor anyone else can make you love that person. How you treat other people, you see, is not so much just an experience of the emotion or of the feeling, but what you choose to think about that other person. Yes, we have a choice as to what we're going to do with our own life. We can choose. It's an elective in life to decide how we're going to treat other people, and each one of us has the right to choose and to personally decide what we are going to do with Jesus Christ. Whether or not you think of him as just a great teacher or as an egomaniac and a lunatic, someone who was misled and thought himself to be the son of God, or whether you accept him as he is and claims to be the son of God and the savior of all sin, that's up to you. I personally do not feel that anybody becomes a Christian by accident. Nor do I think that people become Christians by what I call religious osmosis. That's a self-made term to try to explain the process that many people go through in thinking that just as long as they sit in a church long enough or are present long enough at a lesson in a church school class or just go to church camp, that automatically they will become Christian. No, these things may help in bringing you to that moment of decision. But if you are going to become a Christian, it requires personal decision. Nobody can make that decision for you, no matter how much some of us would like to. 
having experienced part of a week with these young people, my heart many times to try to save them from what I think would be danger or harm, I wish that I could almost force them to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But I can't do that. No one can. Even God himself will not force anyone to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is so beautifully portrayed in that marvelous picture of Holman Hunt's Christ, the light of the world. You know the picture. Christ is standing with a lantern in one hand and knocking on a closed door with the other. And if you look very, very closely at that painting, you will see that on the outside of the door there's no handle, no latch. The handle is on the inside of the door only. And Christ can stand and knock and knock and knock upon any door, even the door of the heart. But he'll never knock that door down or force his way in. The only way that he can come in is if someone opens the door from the inside. And that is one of the electives each one of us has in life. We can either accept Jesus and invite him into our hearts to live and to bring to us the light of the world. Or we don't have to. The choice is up to us. Forgive me for closing with an illustration that I have used before. I know many of you have heard it many times, especially as it is still being presented after many years as a sign-off on one of our local television stations out of Pittsburgh. But it's that story about the old man who lived on the outskirts of a small village, something like the town of Bakerstown. He was a very wise man, and he seemed to have all the answers always at the right time. And when people had problems, they would go to this man and with a seemingly special wisdom, he always had the right answer. Well, it's funny in life that oftentimes we find individuals who despise people who seem to have all the answers to life. And there lived in that town a young boy, not much older than some of you here this morning. And he did not like the idea of a one man having the answers to all the questions in life. And he thought to himself, there must be some way, some way that I can trick that old man into giving me a wrong answer. And the boy thought and he thought and he thought. And he said, I know what I will do. I will go out and I'll catch me a bird. And I'll carefully conceal that bird within my hand. And then I will go to the old man and I will say, Old man, this bird that I have in my hand, is it living or is it dead? Well, if the old man says 
that it is dead, I'll open my hand and allow the bird to fly away. But if he says that the bird is living, I'll crush that bird within my fist and kill it and open my fingers to expose the still, quiet bones of the broken bird. So the little boy went into the woods and he found a bird and he carefully concealed it within his hand and he came to the old man and he said, Old man, is this bird in my hand living or dead? The old man never looked at the boy's hand. He merely looked into the eyes of the young boy and he looked clear to the depths of the young boy's soul. And he said, perceiving the plot, Young man, the answer to that question is whatever you want it to be. And as I look into the eyes of young people this morning, and of people who maybe are not so young, but are still very loving, wonderful people. And I ask you, what do you choose for your own life? How are you going to treat other people? What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? I must also say, the answer is up to you. It can be whatever you want it to be. To every man there openeth the highway and the low, and each man must decide for himself the way his spirit shall go. Amen and amen. Father, we come before you on this warm Sunday, thanking you for allowing us to live another day of life. Some of us come having not yet made our decision as to what we are going to do with ourselves and with other people and with your Son, Jesus Christ. This day, O oh Lord, be with those people who make that decision whom they will serve. Others of us come having made that decision a long time ago. Help us this day, O oh Lord, as we rededicate ourselves to Thee. For we realize the great responsibility which we have been given by your choice. And we know that we do have much to say concerning life, not only here, but throughout all eternity. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.